Welcome to the Retail Focus Podcast, a weekly collection of news, interviews, and information from the world of retail. Welcome to this edition of the Retail Focus Podcast. I'm Trent Kling for Layton and our associate producer, McKenna, working behind the scenes. Coming up on this week's episode, we'll be joined by Devi Prasad Ramhatla, the Senior Vice President and Sector Head of Retail Services and Transportation at Wipro. He will rejoin the show to discuss a recent report they produced, a consumer brands report called The Big Shift. We'll talk a little bit about cloud-based solutions in retail, where we're seeing the shift, what cloud leaders in retail are doing compared to those cloud beginners, and also we'll touch on regulatory constraints that retailers are seeing regarding cloud adoption. In news, we'll talk about grocery. We go back to that very effervescent segment as Albertsons releases their fourth quarter numbers and their look ahead to the next year. And we will look ahead to a specialty retailer that hasn't had the easiest of turnarounds over the last few years. A quick reminder that you can check us out on social media at Retail Podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. Let's get right into that grocery news as Albertsons bests even the most bullish expectations for their fourth quarter of 2021. Both on their top and bottom line, they showed impressive results that lends more credence to grocery retail maybe holding court despite inflationary impacts. Now, leadership on Kroger's recent earnings call last month indicated that their data suggests that people would rather compromise outside of grocery when it comes to that tightening of wallets that you see during inflationary times. And if this were the case, we could expect grocery comps for other retailers to rise along with inflation, while some of those discretionary categories may suffer a little bit, at least in comparison to inflation. And as far as Albertsons is concerned, we certainly saw no loss of market share. It seemed like they kept up with inflation just fine as their comps increased 7.5% for their fourth quarter ending February 26th. Of course, this included effects from a healthy dose of inflation, and they were not hesitant to point that out on the call, but it does appear as though based on their internal numbers, based on what we saw over the three months for the fourth quarter, that they were able to outpace inflation at least a little bit for grocery. Their two-year stack comps increased 19.3%, which certainly compares favorably to Kroger's two-year stack increases of 14.6% in their own fourth quarter. Now, granted, those quarters are offset as Kroger's quarter is offset by about five weeks compared to Albertsons. But as far as Albertsons was concerned, as I say in English football at least, these comp increases were very much against the run of play for Albertsons as prior quarters of 2021 saw comp declines for Albertsons despite some of those milder inflationary impacts. And so you could be forgiven for thinking that maybe Albertsons would come in a little bit behind inflation for this quarter. But the comp increases for them came along with e-commerce increases. E-com sales for them up 5% year over year to your stack, well over 200% increases regarding e-commerce, which is somewhat expected given those pandemic impacts. During the fourth quarter, they were able to gain both unit and dollar market share in food. And regarding market share, they now have a number one or number two position in 68% of the 121 MSAs, Metropolitan Statistical Areas, in which they have stores. So market share, which is something that you hear grocers talk a lot about, 
looking better for Albertsons than it was a few years ago. Just like Kroger, just like Walmart, you're really seeing those larger retailers continue to gobble up market share for maybe some of the smaller or independent players. Analysts' expectations, by the way, for their bottom line as far as earnings were concerned were for $0.65 per share. Albertsons bested that with earnings per share of $0.75 per share. And as with competitor Kroger, higher fuel sales on a dollar basis helped their bottom line. Not too much interesting as far as their bottom line is concerned and some of the margins are concerned, but it was impacted somewhat by investments in associates, as in more investments in associates, both by higher wages and hiring more associates. This was more than offset, though, by lower COVID costs, leveraging of other expenses, and, as I mentioned, higher fuel sales on a dollar basis. When we talk about that associate investment, like I said, increased wages there, but also they really focused on staffing up during this past quarter and during their last third quarter to assist in their internal fresh goals. The fresh sections at grocery stores have been major revenue drivers. And so Albertsons has been attempting to exploit this further across all their brands, whether you're talking about Albertsons or Safeway or Vons and so forth. And so they've been hiring to support produce and meat in particular, also deli. And outside of scaling up associate investments in fresh by bringing in more associates, they've been working to streamline their in-store fresh operations. They work to automate production planning, something that actually Debbie Ramhatla will discuss here just in a bit in regards to both supply chain and also ensuring that in-store operations were working to a perfect or ideal extent. And so they attributed better in-stocks during the quarter in fresh to both this and kind of the simplification of associate tasks in the department. And one example of this that they gave on the call as they got into it was the installation of auto slicers and stackers in their deli. These have been combined with some of the planning systems. You talk about AI and cloud-based retail software to reduce both on-demand associate labor needs as in, hey, we need someone to come and cut this meat or cut this cheese. But it also has cut back on shrink. And as an example of this in the wild, you'll often see production overruns at Walmart, let's say, in Delhi, where too much of a particular meat or cheese was sliced, and therefore you see it maybe clearanced out on the day afterward. Albertsons has been able to avoid this somewhat by both computing exactly how much they'll need for any given day in terms of the pre-slicing work, but also in terms of allowing associates to maybe take on other roles, more customer-facing roles in Fresh as a result of these automatic slicers. Fresh for Albertsons, by the way, outpaced Center Store by 280 basis points year over year regarding comps. So Fresh, again, doing its job for Albertsons just like it's done for the other major grocers out there. Fresh has, by the way, outpaced Center Store comps at Albertsons by 500 basis points when you zoom out and you look at a two-year stack. And this is remarkable in particular because center store, you look at rising costs because of inflation, it's been impacted just as much as proteins have as far as inflation is concerned. We've heard a lot about protein inflation, and obviously that impacts fresh for these grocery stores. Produce, meanwhile, has been generally lagging behind CPGs in the middle of the store and proteins as far as inflation. But when you take produce, when you take meat, when you take floral, all of those fresh categories together, they're outpacing the center of the store, whether it be 
store label brands, whether it be those CPGs that we've heard inflation severely impacting pricing on in the middle of the store. And private label products and fresh for Albertsons have also been a big driver. Their overall penetration of private labels, when you look at the entire store, is 25.6%. But in terms of the categories where you're really seeing acceleration in private label sales, floral, deli, and meat are all leading the charge there. And one other quick note as far as the quarter that was, they, like Kroger, are seeking to capitalize on their internal data through media. So they launched the AMC, or the Albertsons Media Collective, and they expect this division to be their leading driver of non-traditional revenue over the next few years. Now let's talk about Albertsons going forward, especially over the next year or two. For 2022, their fiscal year, they expect comp sales to rise by about 2 to 3%. This would lag inflation slightly, particularly in the beginning of the fiscal year where you're seeing produce inflation. Albertsons has cited 8% at the beginning of this first quarter. You see other numbers that put grocery inflation closer to 10%. Whatever that happens to be, you're seeing that 2 to 3% over the course of the fiscal year probably lag inflation for the entirety of the year. Although there are a lot of people, including those from Kroger, Walmart, and now Albertsons, that believe that inflationary impacts in grocery will ease in the back half of the year as they lap the inflation we saw in last year's third and fourth quarter. So that's one of the reasons why they project comps to be down slightly for them in the back half of 2022 as inflation eases somewhat, at least in comparison to the increases that we've seen. Quarter one to date, they have seen a mid-single-digit identical sales increase. This lags food inflation at least so far, but part of that is due to the impacts of Easter shifting from March into April. It was in March last year, April, of course, this year, and as a result, you see those numbers for Albertsons for March not really keeping up with inflation simply because they're lapping those Easter sales from last year. One interesting note in regards to the year ahead, they do expect some headwinds from a reduction in SNAP benefits, and they expect to see reduced spend as a result from lower-income consumers. This is something to keep in mind, particularly for budget-focused grocers such as Save-A-Lot, what you're seeing right now across the U.S., states are gradually returning to pre-COVID SNAP benefit allocations. So in some cases, cutting SNAP benefits to certain families or certain individuals by more than half. And you could see sales in grocery, particularly among private label brands. That might be a concern going forward as far as benefit allocation is concerned for SNAP benefits we've seen so far, a little over a dozen states cut those back just in an effort to return to those pre-COVID SNAP numbers. But as far as Albertson's bottom line is concerned for this next year, they anticipate taking a hit as a result of the loss of higher margins associated with COVID vaccinations and related services. Those inflated the bottom line numbers a little bit, and the margins were, of course, higher on COVID vaccinations and those related services than maybe where they're seeing sales acceleration elsewhere. So margins are expected to be lower for the company as a whole. And then Albertsons released the next phase of what they call their transformation strategy, and it's dramatically titled Customers for Life. 
Besides mentioning Omnichannel a half dozen times in introducing this platform, leadership indicated that this plan was basically a confirmation of the current direction of the company. Again, an emphasis on private labels and fresh was underscored. A lot of what brought them success in this past fourth quarter. Also, you know, we talk about associate investment. They want to continue to move associates away from task-oriented schedules and really open them up for customer-facing roles instead as a means of attempting to differentiate themselves on the customer service aspect of their business. And, And honestly, I know having visited Albertson's locations in multiple markets, about four to five markets, over the first quarter of the year, you're looking in some of those fresh categories in particular. You look at deli, you look at meat. They can certainly use more customer-facing roles there. Obviously, their front-end issues outside of maybe their main area of Boise have been well-documented. Lines at Safeway stores have been well-documented, but as they've upgraded their stores to self-checkouts in many markets, some of the need for additional front-end help has been mitigated, but still they feel as though they could use additional customer-facing support in multiple areas throughout the store. Overall CapEx for this next year for Albertsons, by the way, expected to come in just over $2 billion. And a lot of that's going to digital initiatives. So we talk about associate investments, but they're also investing in digital. They mentioned Omnichannel, as I talked about a ton on the call. And I found this interesting. I think this is really going to be kind of an inflection point for Albertsons in comparison to the other retailers. We know that retailers like Walmart, Target, Kroger, the big grocers that are out there are obviously investing in digital, but Albertson seems very intent and very focused on their digital platforms. And you wonder if this is going to hold up over time. Now, we know some shoppers, of course, enjoy shopping for groceries online, picked up that habit during the pandemic and never went back. But also recent numbers that we've seen over the last six to nine months have indicated that people starting to go away from digital shopping for groceries for multiple different reasons. We've talked about this on prior podcasts, whether it's inability to choose their own produce or just the ability to shop in-store for things that are, say, maybe on clearance or on sale on an in-store basis. And especially as you see inflationary impacts start to affect some of the brands, some of the products that these grocers are carrying You wonder if those budget-conscious consumers are going to opt for in-store shopping because while there are digital coupons, while there are digital deals, and any sales item that you see in a circular for a retailer will be likely reflected on their e-commerce platform, you have a lot of clearances, you have a lot of individual store manager specials, whether that's Safeway, Walmart, Kroger, that are going to only be available just by their very nature in-store. So you wonder if people are becoming more price conscious if they'll opt for in-store shopping a little bit more. Obviously, some digital investment is going to be a good thing, but you just wonder if the lion's share of that $2 billion in CapEx, maybe the proportion of it going to digital might be a little bit overwhelming for Albertsons in comparison to the willingness of consumers to shop on a digital platform for groceries. Just something to think about going forward. And of course, it could turn out two years from now that we're talking about Albertson's digital investments and how they completely pushed the retailer to a higher position in terms of market share. 
but you do kind of raise an eyebrow a little bit in terms of some of their digital transformation that they're working on in-store. By the way, they were asked on the call why they moved to this next phase and revealed this next phase of their transformation strategy on the call that it was odd for a company that just released an IPO not that long ago to suddenly have another transformation strategy in play. And it was answered very bluntly. They said, look, we feel like and we would be doing right by shareholders if we continued to look towards transforming the company and continued to look keeping up with the Joneses. And specifically, they talked about Kroger's market cap in relation to Albertsons in relation to profitability and how they feel like really they should be regarded more highly. So that's the reason they were rolling out this transformation platform as a result of kind of those internal looks at what they can do to not only better bring value to shareholders, but also shore up their business as a whole. Well, that'll do it for our first news segment. Coming up after this break, we'll be joined by Devi Prasad Ramhatla, the Senior Vice President and Sector Head of Retail Services and Transportation at Wipro. We'll talk not only about their consumer brands report, which is called The Big Shift, but also obstacles that may be keeping retailers from shifting to cloud-based technology, and also what cloud-based technology might look like when used in-store for those that don't deal with cloud-based technology on a day-to-day basis. Retailers are quick to mention or credit the cloud when it comes to technological advances or efficiency gains, especially on earnings calls. But seldom do analysts ask about how specifically cloud-based technologies have benefited a retailer's operations. And that's why we found a recent report by Wipro to be quite interesting. The report is titled The Big Shift, and it details how retailers and brands have been finding ways to drive growth and efficiency through adoption of cloud-based technologies. And here to explain a little bit about the report is Devi Prasad Ramhatla, the Senior Vice President and Sector Head of Retail Services and Transportation at Wipro. Debbie, welcome back to the show. Trent, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here with you, where you bring the best of industry and technology intersections. Great to be here. Well, I appreciate the kind words. And I was wondering if first, if you could just give us a little bit of a refresher, if people didn't hear your prior appearance on the show, just a bit of background on Wipro and kind of the scope of operations, what you do there. Thank you very much, first of all, for the opportunity. My name is again, Devi Prasad. I go by Devi, based here in San Francisco, Bay Area. My 26th year with this great world-class company. Wipro, we are a leading technology and consulting services company. We work with clients across industry sectors to sort of help them harness the power of cognitive computing, automation, robotics, cloud, analytics, and emerging technologies. And I call all of them as wonderful tech toys. And we get to work with them to lead the customers through the transformation world and adapt to a digital world. And we have had a long tradition of commitment to sustainability and its communities. We are roughly over 220,000 dedicated employees across about six continents. And we help clients discover ideas and connect the dots to build a better and a bold new future. And the growth has been quite rapid for us. I remember back in the day, 1996, when I joined, we were less than 1,000 employees, less than $100 million in revenues. And today, when we are a $10 billion company with 220,000 employees, that's been a pretty good journey and ride. 
So you mentioned just the size and scope of the operations at Wipro, and that leads us to this consumer brands report called The Big Shift. Obviously, with such a large organization, you guys have such great insights and so many ways to tap into data. So I was curious as to who was surveyed for this report, kind of where did the data come from as you were producing this report? Now, that's a great question. It's always good to understand where have the insights and the sources come from. And for me, this is very important because as the industry was recovering or is recovering from pandemic, what will bring greater elasticity and agility to the businesses? Uh, conducting survey was important. So these insights that are shared in this report are actually based on a survey that we conducted in summertime last year in June, July timeframe. And we collaborated with the Thought Lab group to analyze the current and the future patterns of enterprise level cloud adoption. Responses to this included about 1,400 executives at organizations with annual revenue ranging from anywhere between five to $20 billion or sometimes more. And this report sort of incorporates data from about, I would say 120 plus consumer brands and about 100 plus retailers. It's a global perspective. It's not just the United States. It's ranging across six countries, Australia, France, Germany, Switzerland, UK, and the United States, and comes from different industries but living industries. So it's a fairly comprehensive survey of several types of executives and different revenue groups and different consumer brands and retailers as well. So that's what I feel good about is the comprehensive nature of the survey that has been done. You mentioned the comprehensive nature. It's not every day you get to read a report where 1,400 executives of retail brands are interviewed. You'd be hard-pressed to find a report where 140 executives are even interviewed. But on that note, you took all of this data, obviously searching for trends, searching for different things. But one of the basic mechanisms of this report is you talk a lot about cloud leaders versus cloud beginners. How did you go about kind of dividing up into groups those retailers or those CPG groups that were cloud leaders versus those cloud beginners? That's a great question. And those words are so important for the world of cloud, the leaders and the beginners. So the big shift report firms that have the most advanced approach to cloud and are considered cloud leaders prioritize cloud as a strategic imperative across their businesses and use the cloud to improve their sort of financial, operational and strategic performance. So these are the kind of firms that recognize the importance of not just the operators, but the C-suite engagement and leverage the cloud to build the future-ready businesses through, I would say, innovation, new business models, and accelerate time to market and streamline operations. I think it's a good mix of all the three, right? So leaders also use the cloud to sort of improve both the customer and the employee experience. What we have witnessed is that they understand the value of data and customer analysis to sort of adapt to fast changing consumer needs and behaviors and recognize the role cloud plays in enabling the future. And also I think cloud leaders are also focused on building intelligent and interconnected operations. They look to leverage the cloud to optimize advanced technologies such as data, AI, and internet of things to help improve planning 
and decision making. So that's what we believe separates the cloud leaders from the rest. All right. So now let's get into a little bit of the study findings. Before we do that, we've talked a little bit about where the data comes from. We've talked about the division between cloud leaders and maybe the rest of the pack. And I'm going to ask you a question that we could probably talk about for the rest of the day, honestly. <laughs> but I, I think a lot of times when cloud is mentioned, a lot of people just kind of like nod along. But for those that may not be familiar with the role of some of these cloud-based solutions that exist in retail, what are some ways in which maybe a customer or associate in retail might see this cloud-based technology or a cloud-based solution used maybe in the wild in a retailer, so to speak? I'm so glad that you are asking for the opinion, not just from a customer standpoint, but also from an associate standpoint. One of my pet issues has been that not enough is talked about how to enable the associate more, and cloud is no exception to that. So I appreciate you asking about that. So the cloud as a technology is essential infrastructure for digitalization, enabling businesses to achieve much more at a lower cost and transform their operations. It has also been a critical tool for retailers and consumer brands striving to keep pace and compete with digital native competitors. You know, when brick and mortar stores, omni-channel folks converge into this digital world and pandemic has sort of made the world into a very competing world, ranging between digital natives to the non-digital natives. I think cloud plays a big role in that to make sure that the brick and mortar stores can compete equally well with the digital natives. As far as the store associate is concerned, I think with the cloud, store associates can deliver a better customer experience and leverage the cloud to improve their agility. They would see and utilize cloud-based solutions in front of the house or back of the house from checking out customers via different devices to managing inventory. I mean, they're not bound by the hardware that's deployed in a store. A lot of these things are deployed over handheld. They can even be virtualized to leverage the store associates, personal mobile devices who bring their own device to work. And they can be greater ways to collaborate from there, including social media and things of that nature. So store associate can have the power of digital transformation in their hands through device virtualization and cloud. For the customer, this means a better shopping experience from seeing more personalization to being able to check out through multiple channels. And we talk about omni-channels, but the consistency of that across multiple channels is very key. You know, anecdotally of the retail and CPG cloud leaders who have made this customer experience progress, we have seen that more than 50% of them say CX customer experience in the cloud is among their most effective business use cases to the extent that funding and budgeting internally has the maximum chance when it's of a customer experience initiative. Again, more than 50% of retailers and consumer goods leaders revealed that the pandemic has elevated the priority of cloud usage to improve the customer experience. I think in my last conversation with you, I talked about pandemic being the chief innovation officer because that has sort of accelerated the path of innovation and cloud is a big means to that end. I think further cloud also offers significant opportunities for the retailers, not just from a store associate or customer standpoint, but 
to advance retailers' sustainability practices. One of my favorite topics these days, there's not one CXO conversation that I have where the topic of sustainability doesn't come up. An increasingly vital factor in driving, quite frankly, customer loyalty and retention. So as far as sustainability practices are concerned, there are a few ways, right? One is using data and sharing over the cloud, such as product origins, manufacturing practices, smart packaging, especially for those who manufacture private labels. Some of the retailers manufacture private labels too. It could also be in the context of e-commerce or e-commerce, where cloud technologies can allow customers to connect and interact to facilitate the reuse of products without boundaries. Also, the cloud-enabled AI, we have seen that it can play a very key role in supporting sustainable buying and transportation with purchase movement, delivery and return of goods, or optimized based on demand, sort of like leveraging the power of data to suggest to the supply chain organization and transportation organizations within a retailer to have a better movement purchasing delivery and return of goods. So I know it's been a long-winded answer, but that's beyond the realm of store associates and customer. There is also the realm of sustainability as far as cloud is concerned. Absolutely. And some great points there regarding sustainability and ways in which cloud-based or AI-based platforms might be able to help retailers on that front. You know, you kind of began that last answer talking about empowering of associates. And that was something that came up multiple times in this report. One of the biggest things that companies reported regarding successful implementation of cloud-based platforms was training. Just how important is proper training of associates when it comes to cloud implementation and rollouts, whether they're using store-based software, or as you mentioned, maybe they're using their own personal devices? You know, being part of many transformation programs that I personally been part of when I was running the projects to now be in the leaders of Vipro, one of the fundamental things I've seen is org adoption, user adoption and change management. They are very fundamental to success of programs. So training and user adoption are absolute critical pillars of any successful program. So there is the need to educate on the ease of use, availability of information for quick decision-making and how customer experiences can be elevated. That's more on the education front. Today's retail leaders, frankly, need to look beyond technology and build a strategy that considers how people's importance in overcoming adoption challenges, removing the roadblocks, and helping associates become more comfortable with utilizing the retail technology. In addition, we have seen that many align cloud development with digital transformation, set clear-cut roles and responsibilities, and secure strong involvement from senior management. And I think it's important to also look at one of the things I've seen commonality-wise, organizations and the leaders, you mentioned about it, I think in the previous question about what separates the leaders from the rest. One of the things we have seen is that more than 40% adopt a change management approach to facilitate cloud transformation and appoint a single executive to supervise and oversee cloud deployment. That's significant commitment from the organization to make it happen, but it's well worth the investment and commitment that retailers should show. And that's what separates the leaders from the rest. You mentioned in a prior answer too, just regarding sustainability, a lot of times 
these type of platforms can provide additional insights into sustainability as far as sourcing, as far as transportation is concerned. And that all comes back to inventory management, which has been a big topic for a lot of people in retail over the last year plus. I'm curious, what are some of the advances that participants are seeing in terms of inventory management? Because we know not only consumers desire inventory transparency, but it's become more important now than ever to ensure that whether it's sourcing, whether it's buying, everything is on the up and up in regards to inventory. Yeah, you know, for like airlines, they can't afford to have flights on the ground. For retailers, they can't afford to have empty shelves. And pandemic has led to a lot of that. Consumers had to face disappointments. Retailers have to do somersaults to be able to take care of this. Cloud, frankly, has enabled retailers and consumer brands to centralize inventory data tracking and provide near real-time visibility. And that's a big leap in this industry, which has historically seen this complexity. This change is, I believe, driving flexible delivery methods and also supporting quick commerce initiatives of many retailers and brands. I would say 80% of the cloud leaders from the survey say that inventory management has been their most effective use case as far as cloud is concerned. Quoting an example, one of the home improvement retailers giving employees cloud-connected devices that allowed them to check pricing and inventory without leaving the sales floor. And that's a big improvement. And that's what executives talk about when they say effective use cases leading to better experience and better associate productivity. So the core processes of inventory management has been a big beneficiary as far as cloud investments are concerned. It really is amazing that in the span of 10 years, it's gone from, well, let me see if we have any in the back to (laughs) pulling out a device and telling you the exact number that may be in the store. Well, I I wanted to kind of circle around and talk about something in the survey that really kind of caught me off guard. It's something I haven't thought about before. In this survey, 51% of the leaders, so the people in those cloud leadership positions there, noted that regulatory constraints were a major hurdle regarding optimizing cloud investments. And oftentimes we think about regulation as it pertains to retail in other factors. And in fact, this was kind of the leading challenge that a lot of these leaders noted. What are some examples of some of these regulatory constraints that companies might see as they're trying to scale up these cloud investments? You know, we have seen that as far as regulatory aspects are concerned, this is a lot more sensitive matter historically in the healthcare industry and in the financial services industries. But more and more, you're absolutely right. This is 51% of the leaders noted regulatory constraints as a major hurdle regarding optimizing cloud investments. What we have seen is that some of these constraints included data sovereignty and security, vendor choices, especially when the price increases, and partnerships with uh, existing data centers. And when we consult our clients on these topics of data sovereignty and security, leveraging Wipro's cybersecurity practice, we've oftentimes seen that there could be mitigation plans that could be arrived at for these regulatory constraints. And there is a method of this madness, if you may. It's possible to approach these regulatory constraints with the solid planning and execution behind that. 
So some interesting insights, not only there as far as the regulatory constraints are concerned, but as far as this entire survey and report is concerned. I wanted to finish up by just kind of zooming out a little bit. I always like to ask people that are involved in a particular aspect of retail, what excites them about the future? So when you look at the future regarding cloud-based platforms and retail, what excites you the most over the next couple of years? I think the realm of possibilities beyond the customer associate and the sustainability that I talked about, the realm of possibilities, for example, the store operations, people predicted that, oh, there could be an end to the store model. Not at all. The investments into the stores are increasing in specific categories of retail. So we see that investment in more cloud projects in store could absolutely result in improved planning and decision-making using AI, creation of cloud-based point-of-sale processes and systems, which frankly make customer experience and associate productivity a lot more. And combining cloud and intelligent technologies to sort of ease associate tasks, such as inventory checks, pricing, promotion, et cetera. I see that as a significant benefit, something that I'm personally looking forward to in the coming months and years. Also, not just the associate, but the overall improving employee experience for retailers. Retail churn, labor issues has been a big issue. So how this can improve employee experience across the board is also I see as a big benefit and something that is very evident in the survey that we have conducted. So those are some of the areas I believe are the exciting areas of cloud and retail. Well, once again, Devi Prasad Ramhatla, Senior Vice President and Sector Head of Retail Services and Transportation at Wipro. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It's always a fantastic conversation. Likewise, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this opportunity to interact with your listeners and hope we do more of these topics going forward. Hopefully some of these can be in person. Thank you so much. As always, we may have a position in or against companies we discuss on the podcast. Do not invest in stocks solely on the input of the podcast hosts. Well, we appreciate Debbie joining us. And once again, so great to talk to someone very passionate about these topics as it relates to retail. Now, in our Looking Ahead segment, this will tie in a little bit to our first segment. We talked a lot about Albertsons and, of course, one of their main competitors in Kroger. Well, it wasn't but a few weeks ago that Kroger announced a new e-commerce partnership with Bed Bath & Beyond, especially cookware, hoping to boost both companies. I don't know exactly how much that's going to be moving the needle, but I am looking at the company Kroger is partnering with in terms of Bed Bath & Beyond. We've talked a lot on the show about their attempts at a turnaround under newer CEO Mark Tritton. We can't really call him a new CEO anymore because he's been on the job for a little bit now. And when they released earnings this past week, they lost 92 cents a share on an adjusted basis. Estimates actually called for a profit of three cents. So you're talking about an enormous difference in between expectations and what they came through with. Their comps at Bed Bath and Beyond locations in particular were down by 15%. Bye Bye Baby continued to kind of carry the mail for them, if you can call it that, a low single digit increase there. 
So we just talked in that first segment about inflation, about how you're going to see same-store sales possibly inch up at grocers as they raise prices due to inflation. But some of those discretionary stores, like Bed Bath & Beyond, as an example, may see a step back. And that's certainly what we saw during this last quarter. And when Mark Tritton talked about this with various media outlets and on the earnings call, inventory and supply chain challenges were noted. He said that about 30% of inventory that they had on their balance sheet wasn't available to sell because it was in distribution centers where they couldn't get it to the individual stores because of one reason or another, labor shortages being one of them. Also, a lot of product trapped in ports as well, something retailers have been talking about now for quite a while. So again, the emphasis was on the fact that the turnaround is still in its early stage. There's positive news coming, but it was a perfect storm, so to speak, for them during this last quarter. And I'm not sure that that's exactly the case. And I think you, know, based on some of the macro level economic information that we've got and based on some of the data from groups like Deloitte, you just think that some of these retailers like Bed Bath & Beyond are going to be in for a tough year. On top of these supposed supply chain challenges and on top of these inventory challenges that they're seeing, they've got to compete in an atmosphere where people are, in some circumstances, tightening up their wallets or their purse strings as a result of inflationary impacts. And we see grocers, of course, really holding serve, Albertsons, Walmart, Target, Kroger, whoever it may be. We see general merchandisers largely holding serve as well as people become more price conscious. You see dollar stores begin to gain more business, but it could be tough sledding for Bed Bath & Beyond. They're in the middle of this attempt at a turnaround, and this is why I'm looking ahead to really the next year for them. Can they overcome multiple obstacles to just post something close to even sales on a go-forward basis? Obviously, Bye Bye Baby is having a decent time of it, but I'm really looking at those flagship stores. What can Bed Bath & Beyond do to differentiate itself and provide maybe, if it needs to, a value proposition to shoppers that might find themselves with more budgetary constraints going forward? Obviously, a partnership with Kroger could help a little bit, but that's going to be a teardrop in the ocean when you compare it to getting those mainline stores really fully functional and operational and optimized. And you wonder how much runway Mark Tritton has before shareholders, and particularly their largest shareholders, get tired of waiting. I think this is an intriguing retailer to look ahead to over the next nine months or so, despite the fact that they've tried their best in terms of turning things around, whether it be through merchandise mix, whether it be through regional distribution centers, still seem to be having some of the same issues that were plaguing them a year or even two years ago. Well, that'll do it for us here on the Retail Focus Podcast. Once again, a big thanks to Devi Ramhatla for joining us on this week's show. Coming up next week, we're going to cycle back to talk a little bit about retail security and loss prevention. Our friends at Stanley Security will join the show, specifically Topher Cram from Stanley Security will join the show We'll talk about developments in retail security and loss prevention over the last year since we last talked to a Stanley Security representative. We'll talk about different forms of retail shrink we're seeing, and we'll ask the big question, 
Is organized retail crime really the big deal as some retailers make it out to be? That's been written about a lot. Can't wait to talk to them about this particular subject. Once again, we thank all of you for listening. We thank McKenna and Layton for working behind the scenes. We say so long until approximately seven days from now. This has been the Retail Focus Podcast. For more, visit our website at retailfocuspodcast.com and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter at Retail Podcast.